Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Ophthalmologist Dr. Strauss has seen firsthand how the metaverse is helping surgeons practice the procedures to treat cataracts. Cataracts are the primary cause of avoidable blindness. He works with a virtual reality training platform developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International to help surgeons develop the muscle memory they need. The result? More confident, capable surgeons. And even more importantly, patients who can see. Explore more stories like Dr. Strauss's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. Welcome to Hollywood and Levine. I'm Ken Levine, your podcast host, and this is episode 177. Well, as you know, I like to introduce you to TV comedy writers whose work you have admired, but whose names you don't know. So this week and next, since it was a long interview and a really good one, so I decided to split it up into two parts, you are going to meet Billy Van Zant. Now, along with his partner, Jane Milmore, Billy wrote many series, he worked on many pilots, and he created a series. And they also wrote for some very interesting comedians uh, along their various travels, like Bob Newhart, Don Rickles, Martin Lawrence, Richard Lewis, even Andrew Dice Clay. Now, Billy just wrote a terrific book about his experiences in TV. It is called Get in the Car, Jane, and it was just released this week. It is available on Amazon and everywhere else. I spoke to Billy via Zoom since I figure, well, if Zoom is good enough for Jimmy Kimmel, then it's good enough for my podcast. So here is part one, my chat with Billy Van Zandt. Hollywood and the Vine. Well, Billy, the first thing I want to say is how much I loved your book. It was a great representation of what it's really like to be a situation comedy writer, the highs and the lows. And you write it in a very breezy style and and you you also are very objective, you know, because there's things that happen to us where we get screwed over, and there's also mistakes that we made. And I thought you did a really good job of being honest about your journey. Thank you, thank you. I kept journals uh, on all the TV shows. I when we when we started out, I kept journals on all the TV shows we did. And uh, so when I put, started putting this together, I went back through all the journals to, to see if my memory was right. And, uh, and, uh, and Jane was with me for most of the, the book, um, editing things. That didn't happen. No, this didn't happen. No, don't say that. So uh, <laughs> it was very helpful. Very helpful. <laughs> you talk about Jane, Jane Milmore, who was your partner, your longtime partner. How did yeah. you and Jane meet? Uh, we met in a high school acting competition we were from uh, uh, neighboring towns in New Jersey, and uh, she did a scene from Plaza Suite. I did a scene from, uh, it's called Lovely Ladies, Kind Gentlemen, 
And uh, the two of us met there. And that summer, the, the producer put us both into uh, Neil Simon's uh, least favorite comedy, Star Spangled Girl. And we uh, we met up. That's that's how we got together. So you started out as actors together. Yeah. Yeah. We were actors. And then, uh, honestly, I started writing to give myself something to act in because I wasn't a particular type. You know, I, I'm half Dutch and half Italian. Who knows what that is? <laughs> I'd go up for auditions against real 100 uh, percent Italian guys and I'd look like a wasp. I'd go up against waspy guys. I look Italian. So I never there was never any role for me. So I started uh, writing for myself and then I started directing so people wouldn't mess up my writing. And then I started producing so no one would mess up my directing. So you're doing plays yeah. at that time, plays, right? All plays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All comedy plays. And then um, uh, Bob Newhart, uh, his, his uh, show uh, basically discovered us and brought us out here to write for the Newhart show. And that's how we entered TV. Okay, we'll talk about that specifically in a moment. But first, I am always curious as a member of a writing team myself, just how did you guys physically write? Did you write head to head? Did one person do one scene and the other do the other? How did that work with you two? There, uh, for the most part, we would yell at each other until we had a script and then we were done. That's pretty much it. Uh, uh, it was different with every show. Some shows, uh, the plays in particular, uh, all had, a, uh, some were structured, some were not, you know, but for the most part, when Jane and I worked together, uh, I would do a first draft and then she would, uh, start working on the first draft and take out all the things I thought were funny and she'd rewrite and then I'd get it back and I'd put all the stuff I liked back in and then we fight over what was funny and what wasn't. And, um, after a couple of those kind of drafts, we'd go through it all together and um, we'd actually read it out loud um, and we'd read it as each character. So we'd do a, a pass with this character and then read, a, read it again with just that character in mind to make sure everything tracked and all that stuff. And um, finally, after about 4,000 uh, drafts, we had our first draft. Okay, so things were... A little more complicated because at times you guys were a romantic couple as well. Yes, that's how we started. Yes. And uh, right as we entered Newhart, the writing for the the Newhart show, we broke up. Perfect. Yeah. (laughs) And we had just entered television and they offered us a ridiculous amount of money to have a development deal. And so we thought, well, screw it. We're going to keep working together. And so we sort of had an ugly, ugly breakup, hated each other, slowly (laughs) got back together as friends, then best friends, then, you know, and all without stopping one single day of work in 46 years. (laughs) Wow. We got some of our best material on those ugly periods. I got to say that. Yeah, I imagine you did. I'm sure you have some plays and some things that came out of that, right? Yeah, I, I know that the first script we really wrote after we split for good uh, and, and things were rather ugly was a uh, an Anything But Love script that we did for Richard Lewis and Jamie Lee Curtis. And it was about him breaking up with a girl. So we used a lot of stuff from that. And it was a pretty good script, I got to say. Let's go back to Newhart. What was Bob Newhart like? Bob Newhart spoiled me for everything that came afterwards. <laughs> he was fantastic. He would, uh, the funny thing is we did, he insisted there was one take per scene 
He had a standing reservation at a restaurant down the street at nine o'clock. We'd start at seven o'clock and he better make that reservation. So there was no two, three takes, all that stuff. So he knew his lines. Everybody had to know their lines. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He had half of his on a yellow legal pad because he was a writer in the show. So he could Uh could see. (laughs) But uh, but we we would in the afternoon, we would shoot Larry, Daryl and Daryl. I, so they'd free up a camera for the nighttime show. So in the afternoon, they were only they were the only ones in costume. And then at night, in front of the audience, we do one take. Uh, the other thing with Bob was he he insisted we leave the actors alone after Wednesday. We'd shoot on Friday, but after Wednesday, no changes. He said you had three weeks to work. You had three, you know probably six weeks to work this script. Give us two days without interfering with it. God bless and him. It was great. And he would also never use a laugh track. This I loved. He said, if if a joke bombs, the audience isn't stupid. They'll know it didn't work. You don't need to fake it. And uh, it was great. I loved working on that show. Now, one thing that you mentioned in your book is was that for Jane, you know, once you guys are in a writing room, and it's a very different situation than just sitting together writing scripts. And it's tough for women to get respect and to be recognized. And so for Jane, what was it like trying to pitch in that room? The, the, the truth is we didn't know any better because it was our first job. Uh-huh. And it wasn't – it was a very regimented – uh, work schedule. You would, we never, we started at 10 o'clock and we went home by five o'clock every day. We never stayed for dinner the entire time we shot the show. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. And, um, but in the room, it wasn't, it really wasn't conducive to hilarity. It wasn't people throwing out jokes left and right. It was very, very methodical. We need a better joke for this line. And you'd have to sit there and you'd think, and then finally you'd pitch it out. And if it didn't work, they'd, you know, go on to the next one. But it wasn't people talking over each other. I've been in writer's rooms where people are trying to, you know. Right, a lot of fatumal. All that. Um, And for Jane, she didn't see it as a female thing. She just thought it was her. She would pitch a joke and they wouldn't take it. And then she'd whisper it to me and I'd pitch it and they'd think it was brilliant. And that happened a lot. It was either Dan O'Shannon or me pitching Jane's jokes. And um, uh, eventually they... You know, eventually she got a voice. And uh, and when Jane finally had a voice in the writer's room, watch out. <laughs> yeah. Right. right. Um, you mentioned that you went on to Anything But Love, which starred Jamie Lee Curtis and uh, Richard Lewis. Now, yeah. I love Jamie Lee Curtis, and I was very pleased to read that she was a doll. I loved working with her. She worked so hard. She really worked hard. We had a good time on that show. Um, the, the, the weird thing for us, and we did not n- realize how good we had it at the time, one of the reasons they brought us onto the show, they promised us acting roles on the show as well as being on the writing staff. Now, this was done at a time when no one did that. Mm-hmm. Now, every, everybody who stars in a show is also the writer and all that stuff. I never that asked said, for that. I never asked for that myself. No. Because <laughs> <laughs> I'm terrible, but go on. Oh. Yeah. Well, so we, we would spend half the day in the writer's room, and then when it came time to rehearse our scene or scenes, we'd run down to the stage. And there was one guy who kept referring to the actors as, as uh, I guess I can use any language. Sure, you can. Right? It's podcast. 
Okay, yeah, that's right. He's, he would refer to the actors as assholes. So we'd come back from the stage, and what did the assholes have to say? Oh, sorry, Billy and Jane, I didn't realize you were here. It was, you know. <laughs> but uh, they thought it was funny. I didn't. But um, we got along great with everybody on that show. And there was a great writer's room of people, uh, Lloyd Garver and uh, Janice Hirsch, Bruce Rasmussen, Mike Saltzman, uh, Bill Diamond, uh, uh, Alan Kirschenbaum. It was fantastic room. And Peter Noah ran the whole thing, and I loved the way he ran it. But he, but what was different on Anything But Love, and it threw me a little, is Peter would insist on two, three takes every scene. And we had just come from Newhart, where we did one. You were, you were home by 9 o'clock at right. night. And so I said to Peter, why are you doing two, three takes? Of, and he said, because the actors get better on the second and third take. And I kept thinking, well, that's because you give them a second and third take, you know. But that's the way it worked on that show. And uh, it was a good show. It was a really good show. Now, Richard Lewis was a handful, which did not surprise me in your book when you talked about Richard Lewis as being one of the most neurotic human beings ever. He was a little neurotic. I mean, it, I mean it's, it's worked for him. He's had a very good career yes, being neurotic. But and I and I and I really love him, and I think he's hilariously funny. But he he wouldn't he wouldn't learn his lines. He would spend so much time taping the lines to coffee cups and on the desk and on the. So if if it, is, if it had been a, a stage show and something happened to him, an understudy could go in and follow the script around and, and shoot the whole thing. But uh, but he was definitely funny. I loved writing for him, especially the the long rambling uh, weird monologues he'd do. Um, and, uh, but when we worked with him later on, uh, on Daddy Dearest with Don Rickles, that's when, uh, that's when the, the faxes back in the fax days, we didn't have text, uh, faxes left and right all night long, trying to improve the script and trying to improve the script. And, you know, God love him. He tried to improve the script, but after a while, it's like, all right, we got, I got 400 notes on this already. Let's. let's and he didn't do this on uh, anything but love. No, no, because I wasn't in charge. So uh, I don't know. Uh, okay. Peter, uh, uh, and I don't Peter know. Peter got all the uh, facts. I think so. I uh, think so. Okay. Uh, so we're going to skip around a bit, but let's go yeah. to Daddy Dearest, because in addition to working with Richard Lewis, you got a chance to work with one of my idols, and I am so envious that you got to work with Don Rickles. And again, I was so pleased to read what a great guy he was i loved don and his wife barbara loved them and his son larry he, he worked for us too uh, don was the sweetest guy in the world and the funny thing on that show was our bleachers when we were rehearsing during the week our bleachers were packed everybody on the lot would come to sit there and watch him rehearse not to watch him rehearse because between uh, scenes, he would attack everybody in the audience. <laughs> it was so much fun. And, uh, uh, it was, it, it was, it was really, it was, it was, it was good. The two of them, uh, had a good time with that show. It, it, it was so politically incorrect that we had problems, uh, at the time. Um, and, uh, the, the network tried to turn it into a kindly grandfather show. And it's like, what well, we got Don You're, Rickles. Why hire Don Rickles for that then? Exactly. Yeah. And the, the original title of the show was My Son the Bastard. And, and it was like, well, now it's suddenly a soft uh, Disney show and it didn't, didn't work. So we, we kept pushing and we went, we went down in flames in our own ship, we, on our, in our own plane. So that was, uh, 
but well, well worth it. I think it was one of the best times of my career working on that show. I loved him. Renee Taylor was great. Uh, the whole cast was good. It was, it was, we had a good time. So were there really two Don Rickles? Was there a Don Rickles who was on and then yeah. kind of a private Don Rickles? And what was the private Don Rickles like? Very quiet, very polite, very gentlemanly. Um, I, I remember we had uh, we had dinner with him and his uh, Barbara and Don, and he, you know he's very he's very timid and quiet unless a waiter would come over and then he'd you know attack going to his shtick. <laughs> but then as we left the restaurant, I remember this one night we were walking out, and Gary Shandling and uh, Warren Beatty were walking in, and Don stopped and he just tore them up for about 15 minutes and the guys were crying they were laughing so hard and then as we turned to leave he just turned to us and did i do okay <laughs> that, that was done how much of that is ad lib for him i mean i'm sure he had tons of standard slams <laughs> over the years but did you get a sense that a lot of it was really still just off the top of his head yes yes absolutely I mean, he had a couple of lines. Uh, I remember when we did, uh, we had the, the, the read-through for the first script at uh, the Columbia Bar and Grill when that was still around. And one of the waiters came in and he started, you know, attacking the guy and told him that he, you know, while he was here, his, he was a black guy. And while he, I know while you're here, your brother's in my hotel room robbing my watches. I mean, there was a lot <laughs> of stuff going on like that. But uh, Was he offended? Because I'm sure... There are times no, when, would, when Rickles would, would get people going, I don't know who you are, asshole, but you want to go outside? It felt like everybody knew who he was. People would run in to get insulted, you know. <laughs> Did he and, insult uh, you and Jane? The only thing the only thing he kept saying, he, he would make fun of my wife, was Adrian Barbeau, and he would make fun of her a lot in front of me. But he, uh, for me, the only thing he, he ever said was, as I walked away one, one time, he went, there he goes. Ladies and gentlemen, the man who got a 63rd in the ratings. <laughs> yeah. And uh, he had, the, the night before Jane got married, her mother was in the audience, and her mother had this fantastic cackle. And in the middle of the whole show, she, she started laughing, and he stopped the scene. And he started looking at her, and he went on to her. He forget the scene. He attacked the audience for, for a couple of minutes. A lot of times what we did was we would shorten the shows and put outtakes of him they got longer and longer as the show went on. Some of them are on YouTube. I got a chance to see some of them. Yeah. They're hilarious. Oh, yeah. They're yeah. great. They're great. Yeah. 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 Your Christmas reel must have been 90 minutes. It, I think it literally was 90 <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But the, uh, I would have worked with him forever. I loved him. The title of your book is Get in the Car, Jane. What does that mean? Well, when we were on Anything But Love, um, my 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 inexperience and youth sort of got the best of me, and we had been we had been playwrights for you know a number of years, and now we're writing for TV, and people started switching our scripts around, which is what happens in television. Mm -hmm. Well, I was still a little stubborn in terms of why do you have to change the line? You know, something you get over pretty quickly in TV if you're smart. So we had written this very detailed show um, where Jamie. Uh, sleeps with Richard's psychiatrist and the guy dies while they're having sex. And Richard goes nuts over the whole thing. Um, especially because the character was madly in love with Jamie. 
So we had dropped these little seeds along the way. And then there was a big finale with Richard doing a shrink session with his, with the corpse of his psychiatrist. <laughs> in which he talked about Jamie, you know. That's a great and idea. Even Noah decided at the end, last minute, to cut that scene and just have Richard talk about death. And I said, wait a minute. We've made him act like an asshole through the whole show. And now if there's no payoff, he's just an asshole. And Peter said, sometimes people write from A to B to C. I write A to B to Q. And Jane said, what do you want to do? I said, there's only one thing we should do. We need to quit. Get in the car, Jane. And we quit the show. It was a top 10 show. We were acting on it. We were writing it. And we walked. And uh, I quit one other show in my life. And that was a, a horrible show. Um, well, that wasn't nice to say. It was a different show. And uh, I used the same line when we quit that one, too. Get in the car, Jane. So it became a running joke with us. And so I thought it was perfect for the title. Well, since you mentioned the other show quite a bit in the book, yeah, it was Nurses. It was. It was. It was, uh, it was supposed to be sort of a broad night court in the hospital show. And Alan Kirschenbaum, our friend, was going to run it. We were going to be second in charge. And his show, Down the Shore, got picked up at the last minute, and he, he changed shows. But we were, still, we were already under contract, so we show up. And it was it was not run the very best. Let's just say that um, we we didn't know how to fix the show. We didn't know how to help. The executive producer didn't want our input, and we sat there literally an entire writing staff of very good people who went on to very good things. We sat there staring at walls while the executive producer would just look up every once in a while and say, "Don't plan on working at Christmas." like okay <laughs> and um eventually every week someone would get fired from the show not for having done anything wrong but she was i guess the the, the boss was frustrated and she just started every saturday somebody got fired so the writing staff got smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller till it was just jane and me and bruce ferber who ended up running home improvement and um we everybody had one script that she she would give everybody a different script. This is this show is about uh, an older woman with a younger guy, and somebody would write it. She didn't like it. She'd fire them. There was nothing wrong with the draft, by the way. Then the next week, somebody else would try it. They didn't get it right. Fired. We came down to us, and it was, but we didn't get fired. She there didn't was like nobody the script, left. But we didn't get fired. <laughs> it was, that's true. So we finally she did a pass on it. We went into the the writers' room uh, to the uh, read through rather. And it didn't work. And it was the one she had written. And in front of everybody, in front of the network, in front of all the actors, she turned to Jane and me and said, well, you certainly have a lot of work to do now. And I took the script and I flung it in a dumpster and said, Jane, get in the car. We're going to release them. <laughs> and and uh, my last memory of that place was poor Bruce Ferber, who is now the only writer left, staring at us as we drove away with a look of, you know, don't leave me. And... Um, I don't regret leaving that at all, but it didn't give us a very good reputation in terms of... Uh, yeah, my, my I look back at our career and there were a couple of cases where we should have done that, where we my kick, feeling we kick has ourselves always been, for not doing that. My feeling has always been life's too short. You know, if I'm not going to have a good time, I don't want to do it. Mm -hmm. and, and I will say with the exception of that one show, I've enjoyed everything I've done, even the stuff that's been hard. And, you know, this is, it's not always easy, this stuff, but um, that's the only one I didn't like. 
So there you go, part one of my interview with Billy Van Zant. Next week, we get more into pilots creating a series, how he was involved with Suddenly Susan, working with Don Rickles, oh, some really interesting stuff. And again, his book is called Get in the Car, Jane. All of the stories that he told this week, well, he embellishes And it's also very, very funny. Get in the car, Jane. It is available at Amazon and wherever books are sold. So part two coming up next week. Thanks as always to Adam and Susie Meister, Butler, Howard Hoffman, John Wolfert, Bruce, and Jason Miller. I have an email address should you wish to get in touch, and I will get back to you. It is hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. That's hollywoodlevine at outlook.com. I'm on Twitter at Ken Levine, Instagram, Hollywood and Levine. I would love for you to subscribe to this podcast and maybe say something nice about it on iTunes. Maybe give it a five-star review. Uh, And otherwise, please stay healthy, stay safe. Part two with Billy Van Zandt coming up next week right here on Hollywood. Hollywood. 